fans welcome to another edition of the mav puck cast thank you as always for tuning in john and i are here to talk some hockey long island university came to omaha and john those are some pretty exciting games yeah it was a pretty exciting series going in you never know what to expect when you have one of these new kind of upstart programs like long island which has just been playing the the past couple of seasons so uh yeah very very entertaining more entertaining than i think we thought it was going to be uh but before we get to that series we've got to give a plug to our merchandise sponsor this season lawler's custom sportswear it was military night this weekend i've got my brock bremer military night jersey on from last season lawler's has gear commemorating uh, military night they have replica uh versions of these uh military night jerseys they have uh, olive drab hoodies that say Omaha Hockey on them, as well as long sleeve tees. So you might want to check those out at Lawler's Custom Sportswear. I might get one of the uh, olive green hoodies because I do not have one of those yet. And that would be kind of fun to add that unique item to my collection. But uh, for more information, uh, as always, check out LawlersCustom.com. Jason. As you mentioned, Long Island came in going into that Friday night game. People were asking me what I thought. I thought that this was going to be the type of series where we might roll. We might put on the accelerator and do very, very well against Long Island. I also said it could be one of those series where it comes down to an odd goal at the end of the game. And uh, it was the latter of those two, uh, two scenarios that we had this weekend. Yeah, for me, this was the quintessential trap series you know you've you've played two ranked opponents you've had to be on your game with Ohio State Western Michigan and you know you've been at home for a while next weekend you go on the road you're playing in CHC it's a big game you know you know you have to be up for that one and in between all of that, you've got this little startup Long Island University that no one's heard of coming to town and you know, on paper, everyone's like, oh, you should wallop them. You should beat them. We are better here. We're better there. And you hear that for a week. And it's just the kind of it's the kind of letdown game that you see in college hockey. And uh, I was I was worried heading into the weekend just about whether or not we would be able to uh, find a way to stay sharp uh, against an opponent like this. We got off to a good start. Friday night, I thought, all right, here we go. Yeah, that first period, it was scoreless throughout the first half of that first period. Ludke almost had a goal, uh, but goaltender interference uh, was called on that play, so the goal did not count. That was the second weekend in a row uh, that we had a goaltender interference uh, call against us like that. But 12.59 into the first period, defenseman Kirby Proctor gets the scoring started. A nice shot from the blue line. Assist to Slipic and Roll Wagon. Uh, Kirby, you know, in his final campaign for UNO, has been a really solid defenseman, a stalwart on the blue line. It's nice to see him having success. Uh, UNO goes out of that first period up one to nothing. Jason, how did you feel after that first period uh, of play for UNO? I, I liked our play. I thought that we were doing doing what we needed to do. 
um the between calling that goal back and the major penalties and you know the the last two penalties there in in the final what four or five minutes or so of the first period um I kind of felt like the refs were were kind of trying to get like involved in in the play and stuff and and I never liked that because you can't plan on what they're going to call and so that worried me and you know we were really shaping up to see to see what I was just talking about to see a trap game like this was a game where we had opportunities we were getting pucks through um but we were making a few little mental mistakes and we were trying too hard uh, I talked to a friend of mine at the intermission and I'm like, Hey, you know, like we're, we're trying to make pretty plays. We're trying to do fancy stuff and we're not doing the basics. Like we're not paying attention to the details and this team's good enough. Long Island's good enough that, you know, one mental mistake and tie game and, you know, another uh, strange bounce or something and we're going to lose this game. So we really needed to come into the second period and like you said, pedal to the metal and just like assert your dominance is what I needed to see in the second period. Well, and it looked like that was going to happen 36 seconds into the second period. Uh, junior forward Ty Mueller gets his second goal of the season. It's a power play goal. Assist to Miller and LeMay. It was nice to see uh, Joe LeMay back in the lineup. Two to nothing, the Mavs at that point. Uh, but 5.40 into the second, uh, Josh Sari, who I highlighted on uh, last week's episode of the Mav Putt cast, gets a goal on the power play for Long Island. Uh, it's two to one Mavs at that point. They narrowed the lead on us. So uh, it was close, but late in the uh, second period, 15-23. Jimmy Glenn puts UNO up 3-1. Uh, it was Glenn's first goal of the season. It was a power play goal spurred by a game misconduct penalty on Long Island's Jack Quinn. So it was 3-1 to one at the end of the second. How are you feeling about our uh, chances with a two-goal lead going into the third period? The two power play goals were nice to see because our power plays in the first were kind of weak. You know, trying to do too much. Like, you get the man advantage, especially when you have the full two minutes of two-man advantage in the first. Uh, you know, you're you're trying for that pretty play instead of just making it work. And we were spreading out too much to, to kind of create that. Uh, and they would have been better served by just, you know, working the puck around, collapsing the box, and then getting a shot. Uh, and digging for rebounds, which is really where Jimmy Glenn's goal comes from, that grindy, gritty plays. And... You know, this team should excel there. Like they've got the they've got the attitude, they've shown the commitment to those those greasy areas in front of the nets. And so uh we talked in the last podcast about last podcast I was on, uh about you know being more effective at getting the puck through to the net and letting the guys uh you know go to work with it. And I heard coach say that in one of the um midweek press conferences, and I'm thinking, God, exactly. Like <laughs> That's what we were talking about. And that's what we needed in this game. And unfortunately, like until late in the second, they really weren't doing a whole lot of that. They were still, you know, trying to play that flyby game, the um, speed acceleration flow game. And, you know, with all the penalties, you're not going to get flow. The one thing that worried me was Sullivan taking the major at the end of the second, because that's that opportunity that, that Long Island needed. It concerned me heading into into the third having to kill off the remainder of that. 
Yeah, like you said, the third period wasn't pretty for UNO. We felt good about the lead, but it was ugly otherwise. Put the puck on net, see what happens. Uh, a lot of goals come off of rebounds, and they don't have to be pretty goals. They don't, you know, we don't have to see a bunch of tic-tac-toe passes. Late in the third period, LIU's Noah Kane narrows the lead to 3-2. to two. Boy, it was close right there at the end, Jason. I was thinking, man, this thing's going to go to overtime. Mavs end up winning the game 3-2. to two. Final thoughts, what did you think uh, of Friday night's performance overall? Good to get the win, right? Well, you got to get that win. You know, the concern is if we don't, that they're going to start gripping their sticks too tight. They're going to start, you know, trying to do something different on Saturday. So getting that win, you know, it's probably the best thing that it's a tight win for us because you think, all right, going into it, you know, the the chatter in the locker room, the pregame skate, the breakdown before Saturday night's game's got to be you know, hey, you know, we did some good stuff, but we did a lot of stuff that just wasn't effective for us. So here's the game plan. And, you know, you really kind of hope, like, my concern was, you know, going into Saturday that now you're in a situation where either, you know, we're committed to the process, as, as Coach says, and, and you know, we're, we're going to work the plan and we're going to just blow them out of the water or we're going to still try to do the same stuff we did on Friday. And we might get snake bitten. Um, unfortunately, it was kind of the latter. We we played a lot on Saturday the way we played on Friday. Going into that first period, it was scoreless through most of the first. 1745 into the first, Nolan Sullivan puts UNO on the board, gets the goal down low, assists to the Ludke brothers. Uh, the Mavs were up one to nothing at the end of the first. So close score. But like you said, there were moments where you were like, they're just letting they're letting Long Island University hang around in this game, and you can't do that. Uh, second period, it remained one to nothing throughout uh, the first half of that period. At 11:07, in uh, Ty Mueller gets his third goal of the season. Uh, he shoots it from the circle. Um, UNO is up two to nothing at that point. It was really nice to see that see Mueller, you know, really kind of accept that role, take that shot. Uh, earlier in the season, I think he would have kind of stopped that and looked for a you know against the flow kind of pass on that uh and i think we're better we're clearly better served by him just shooting it because even if he doesn't get the goal in that situation we had net front presence there so just get the puck to the net and so we were starting to do some of that uh the big concern halfway through is the refs are really involved and making weird calls like they were calling stuff one way that they weren't calling the other way and I just I hate it when when refs start doing that because I can't plan on what's going to get called and what's not going to get called, um, and and that's that's a problem, you know, if you're going to play in a tight game. So we really needed to uh, score a lot of goals and make it not matter if they decided they wanted to get involved. A lot of times it's just kind of ugly hockey. So uh, so yeah, I don't like to see that either. Uh, Late in the second period, 16-27 in, uh, LIU's Josh Zeri uh, cuts the lead to 2-1. to one. He had a big weekend for Long Island. Uh, we talked about him in uh, last week's episode. He had three goals for the Sharks this weekend. It's 2-1, to one, UNO going into the third period. Anything's possible at that point. So you got uh, UNO wanting to get the sweep. You've got Long Island wanting to come out with uh, something positive on the weekend. I thought we were going to get to that point where UNO was going to get some separation and really put on the accelerator 
and finish these guys off. But there were a total of five goals scored uh, combined by both teams during the third period. Uh, the Mavs found themselves up four to two midway through the third, uh, spurred by a couple of terrific goals by Zach Erdahl and freshman Tanner Ludke, who are both exciting players this season. But Long Island hung in there, uh, and then the refs, like you said, made themselves a factor. A, a major penalty contact to the head by uh, Mike Abgrawl with 8-12 left in the third really spurred LIU's comeback in the game, Jason. Yeah, you know, both both penalty kills are struggling this weekend. Uh, you know, we let LIU go 50% on Saturday, and those are the, those are the goals that killed us. I would even say the, the tying goal here at the end of the third uh, for LIU was, I mean, goalie pulled. It's it's basically a power play setup, and like we just we just gave them way too much space on on the penalty kill all night, and then and then when they pulled the goalie, like we do better when we when we're aggressive when we challenge, and and we just weren't we weren't doing that enough. And like you mentioned about Josh Airy, like. We just weren't marking him well. You know he's there. You know who you have to watch out for. Like you should have he should have a shadow every time he's out there. And we just we just weren't marking him well. I felt really good after Erdahl's, you know, goal because I really thought like that breakaway goal was was a backbreaker because you you push them into a situation where they now know that even against Erdahl's line, the you know, where he's playing, like you you can't overcommit on that stuff. And so you think they're going to pull back a little bit. And then the worst thing happens. Like the worst thing is that you give up a goal within a minute or two of, of that, right? Because you've got that two goal lead and now you're back to a one. Um, you know, we really needed to, to play a more aggressive, tighter game uh, defensively after we scored that goal to kind of shut them down. And and, and we didn't, um, you know, Lucky's goal is, is Lucky's goal. Like that's what we need to see out of the freshman more. Um you know, it's what we talked about in the season opening when we previewed the season and stuff like Mueller and Ludke coming in as a freshman. You know, those are the two guys we really looked at to drive offense for this team. Uh, and so it was nice to see them on the board, you know, over the weekends, you know, but defensively, you know, we just have to we have to do better. And then Abgrawl's contact to the head penalty was just I've watched it back and back and back. I I think my problem is, is like, if you're going to call that in the third period with, you know, what did we have like seven, six or seven minutes left or something like if you're going to call that penalty that late, you have to call that penalty in the first. And they were letting that stuff go because you easily could have called that exact same thing four times in the first period alone on, on Saturday night. And, and they didn't. And so that's my problem with refereeing. Like, it's not the call. A lot of times it's not the calls that they make. It's that they chose not to make that call earlier. And now it's in a situation where like LIU's down by, you know, two goals. Let's give them an opportunity to, you know, get them both back on a five minute power play. On the uh, all you can eat power play as uh, college hockey commentator, Dave Starman uh, refers to it. So it was tied four to four at the end of regulation. For the second Saturday in a row, the game is going to overtime. Uh, UNO was on the power play to start that overtime, so they were skating four on three. Uh, defenseman Joe LeMay, who I mentioned earlier, was back in the lineup this weekend. Uh, good to see him back. 
uh, gets the game winner 52 seconds in. It was set up by a nice pass across the slot by Jacob Gavin. The fans rejoice. The team rejoice. The Mavs win 5-4. to four. And uh, just for the fans out there who are wondering, because Jason and I talk about this stuff every season, a win in the three-on-three -three overtime is worth 66% of a regulation win as it regards the pairwise rankings at the end of the season. So uh, so we got two-thirds of a win there, Jason. <laughs> and we got 1.66% on the weekend. <laughs> That's right. But look, a great win, a great outcome. Good for UNO to get the sweep. Good to have that uh, positive momentum uh, going into the upcoming series against uh, DU out in, the, out in the Mile High City. So, Jason... We've got to talk about our players of the week. Who did you like this week as your player of the week for UNO? Yeah, I, you know, I thought this weekend was hard because there's a, there were a lot of instances of things I liked. Uh, you know, I don't know what about the goal it was, but, you know, Mancini suddenly decided that he's a uh, forward slash D and... Like, usually you have D play D1 and forwards play, you know, F1, F2, F3. And I think he's just playing, like, every position now. He's like, all right, I got it all. Um, you know, he's rushing with the puck and stuff. That could be good for us. As long as we cover for him, that could be really good. There's a lot of NHL teams out here that, that use that kind of style with defensemen. And so, um, you know, I like to see him do that. Of course, you know, I still love what Bremer does. I, I love that gritty kind of 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 play that he has. Um I think it, it it does real benefit to us to have that. And you just don't typically look at a roster and find his name and say, like, that's the guy that's going to just be a thorn in our side all weekend. Um, and so I love seeing him just kind of keep that up. Um, you know, I think and you could go to you know, Mueller and, and Tanner Lucky and say, like, those are the guys that really drove play for us. And, you know, we talk like we a lot of times we like to pick off the sheet a little bit. Um, and I, I'm going to go that way and, and somewhat off the sheet and say Kirby Proctor, uh, he gets the goal on Friday night, you know, gets us started and it, and it was a, it was a nice shot from the point and that that's what we'd like to see. And, you know, good things happen when he's, if he can get the puck to the net. Um, but beyond that, like he was one of our better defensemen. I felt like, like he was really responsible. Um, he was making some good hits, some timely hits, um, and not taking penalties on him like some of the other guys. Um, so I'll go, I'll go tiny bit off the sheet and, and say Proctor. That was a great pick. Uh, the grad student has had a nice season so far. Uh, like I said, his final campaign for UNO one goal and one assist this weekend. He has two goals and one assist this season. And like you mentioned, he's a disciplined player. He doesn't take those stupid penalties. And, uh, that's been the great thing about Kirby uh, during his time here at UNO is he's a he's a really steady presence uh, on this team uh, and he's having a little bit of offensive uh, success early on this season too. So I like that pick, Jason. I like the Kirby Proctor pick. Uh, I'm going to go with a more obvious pick. I'm going to go with forward Ty Mueller. Uh, we haven't picked him uh, as one of the players of the week uh, this season yet. Uh, he had two goals and one assist uh, on the weekend. Uh, he scored a goal in the last three games, and he currently leads the team in points. And uh, it's good to see him uh, 
starting to heat up this season because I was a little bit worried early on this season that he didn't seem to be uh, coming out of the gate on fire. Uh, he was drafted during the offseason, and I know that was very exciting for him. So uh, so we're hoping for big things from him this season, Jason. Yeah. Keep it up. Keep it up. We need that uh, going forward here the next few weeks. Especially next week. <laughs> Especially next week uh, at DU. But before we talk about DU, we've got to talk about our things you missed at Baxter Arena. It was Military Appreciation Night on Friday, sponsored by Woodman Life. Uh, when we walked into the arena, uh, they were handing out uh, little American flags. There was a uh, Remembering Our Fallen photographic memorial in the concourse, uh, honoring local military personnel. Uh, who have died in the line of duty, which was kind of neat. Uh, Bridget and I in Scotland looked at that before the game. Uh, certainly before the game, they unfurl the giant flag on the ice. It's always cool to see the giant flag on half of the ice sheets uh, at hockey games. One of the new wrinkles that they had this year, Jason, uh, they had some local ROTC members who rappelled down from the catwalk onto the ice twice during the evening's festivity once with the flag at the, the American flag at the beginning of the game and then once during the second intermission to present uh, a military night jersey uh, to the family of Marine Corporal Fagan Page uh, who was killed in Afghanistan August 26, 2021. Uh, he was a Millard South grad uh, who uh, loved hockey, played hockey, so that was pretty cool to see. Jason, what did you think of those military night festivities we also have the team wearing commemorative jerseys which they are auctioning off and the auction will end before this uh episode comes out so we'll see if either of us end up getting one of those this year but what did you think of the festivities uh i these are i love the special event nights you know i always think that they do a good job of, of highlighting whatever that that cause is you know hockey fights cancer slash you know we do leap for a cure and even the you know the new year's eve stuff they've done in the past and the like uh star wars nights and things like that like i always just think they're a great way to get you know fans excited and engaged <laughs> the logistics of it is the part that's like <laughs> i feel bad for some of those rotc guys that were holding the flag and the the repellers coming down and like they did such a great job and they get down there and it's like they're on ice in like mid-calf boots that have like clearly no traction on them and they're just struggling to get off the ice and i'm like oh the poor guys like just not set up for success there so i do kind of feel a little bad for them there yeah that's really tough on that slick ice surface uh and it also illustrates why we don't want to fight a land war in Siberia, Jason. <laughs> I liked the rappelling onto the ice. That was kind of like, you know, a hockey arena version of a flyby, I guess. But I would not put it past Mike West to figure out how to have, you know, F-15s <laughs> flying over the hockey game at some point down the road. So that's always a, a very popular night here uh, with the locals. So a very, very cool both games, Jason, were sellouts, uh, 7,802 fans, which is 
officially a sellout at Baxter Arena. What do you think of the sellout nights? I kind of like that they do these sellout promotions for series like Long Island University, which are not series where you would typically draw a lot of people. In the past, when UNO was playing downtown at the CenturyLink Center, they would do their sellout games around a big name opponent like Ohio State, Minnesota, Michigan, etc. Those were the kind of teams that they did sellout games for. I like the fact that they do them for these games that aren't typically going to draw a lot of fans. Yeah, and I like that they did it on the military appreciation night that we just talked about, right? Like, it's nice that 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 wasn't a you know a low attendance kind of event. They really got people out there, capitalized on the momentum that they're going to get from advertising it as military appreciation night. Um, you know, I always think it's easier, like you mentioned, with Minnesota and Michigan and those big name teams for us, like Denver, North Dakota. Like those are easy games to get people excited to come to. Um, so the fact that they could get people excited about this one is good. And it, you know, it means good things for, we've got, uh, you know, the one game against Augustana, a new team that's coming in. And so making a push to get people there on, I think that's one's on black Friday. Is it not? Yeah. Yep. And so like getting people excited about like, let's, let's go check out this new team kind of thing. And then after that, we've got St. Cloud. And you've got an NCHC opponent that's doing really well, that's that's climbing in the national rankings. And, you know, those are going to be games that are going to be, you know, easier to sell out. So fans that want to see those, you know, it, it's a big push to get tickets and, you know, bring people to those games and and bring yourself to those games. Absolutely right. The other nice thing about playing a team like Long Island is you're more likely to get a win as opposed to, say, North Dakota. And so people come out of the arena with that positive feeling of having just gotten to celebrate uh, celebrate a win on the ice, get to uh, experience that post-game uh, celebration maybe for the first time. Uh, so that's a neat deal. So we have two sellouts already before the first of the year. I've heard that the Augustana game, as you mentioned, that's coming up on Black Friday is close to selling out. Uh, so you might want to get uh, might want to get your tickets uh, for that game against Augie. That should be exciting. They're a, a brand new program. They play playing a lot of teams tough, and I know that their hope is to try to sell out at least one of those games against St. Cloud State. So we'll see how that goes. But man, that would be great if they could get three sellout games before the first of the year. So yeah, exciting crowds both nights. Uh, it's great to see the work that Mike West and company are doing at Baxter Arena to try to create a great game atmosphere for fans. But uh, we've got to talk about UNO's road trip out to play uh, Denver at Magnus Arena, a place you and I visited a number of times. Certainly you've been there more than I have. As many of you know, Jason uh, lived in the Denver area for most of his life. Uh, he was a former DU season ticket holder, which we try not to hold against him here on the Mav podcast. Uh, DU has been a nemesis for us over the years. They are currently 7-2-1. and one. Uh, They are coming off a split at Arizona State, a team that will be joining our conference next season. Jason, what are your what are your thoughts going into this series against DU? Um, certainly a team that has a lot of talented players, but also has some question marks this season. Yeah, they do. Their, their question mark, you know, we pointed out in the 
the season opening blog, you know, goaltending is no more Magnus Krona. So you know, what what's going to go on there is is kind of the question mark. And and so far it's been a committee. It's been two guys kind of rotating through the net, and neither of them really stepping up and saying like, "I am the the goaltender of the future for for Denver." Uh, I last time I checked, I believe both of them are under 900 save percentages, you know, which is, you know, not great. Uh, so, you know, that's something that they, that they need to uh, need to kind of figure out. And, you know, some of that will be them just getting used to the style of play that Denver plays. Denver plays uh, that fast flow type of, of, of game that, that we tried to play against LIU that we didn't do so well of playing against LIU so, you know, that's a concern where their strength is, is goal scoring. You know, this team is tops in the league. They're plugging away at more than five goals a game. And so I don't know where six comes from on our roster, but we're going to need to, we're going to need to have it in. We either need to keep them under five or we need to find a way to score six if we're going to win. Cause that's about the only way you're going to do it against this Denver team. It's not just one guy, right? Like they've got, I think five players that are in double digits and points already this season you know and we're not even 10 games into the season so they're gonna score goals they're gonna find ways we cannot be in the box their power play will pick us apart um you know they play what we talked about they get the puck to the net they're gonna score goals they're gonna find a way um to get that through so shot blocking is gonna be key you know and, and just playing smart D. So that's what that's what we got to do if we want to steal at least one game out of DU in their home arena. Absolutely right. Lots of talented players up front uh, for the Pioneers. And uh, as you said, we've got to play a disciplined brand of hockey. Going into the season, we thought our uh, defense and goaltending were going to be our strength. So we'll uh, see how it does this weekend. Uh, Jason touched on some of the players, but players to watch. Uh, junior forward Jack Devine has 10 goals and 8 assists this season. Uh, he currently leads the team. Junior forward Massimo Rizzo, uh, a player that you're going to hear his name a lot during this series, has 5 goals and 13 assists this season. Very talented forward. Uh, junior defenseman Sean Behrens, who is a Colorado Avalanche draft pick, so I had to get him in here for you, Jason. Has a ten assists. Yeah, has ten assists this season. Uh, in net, you talked about this. This is probably the biggest question mark uh, for Denver this season. Uh, junior Matt Davis has a three point two two goals against average currently, and freshman Freddie Halleck has a two point five five goals against average, and they've split time this season. Uh, Halleck started both games at ASU. Um, neither has proven himself to be invincible in net. So there are opportunities in nets. Uh, I have a feeling though, that, uh, Freddie Halleck will probably end up being the guy as the season wears along, but we'll just have to see, uh, DU all time against UNO is 37, 13 and five. And this has definitely been a series in recent years where we have struggled, uh, where we struggled against DU. So, uh, it's going to be a tall order. Jason, what's your pick for this big road series, UNO's first road series of the season? I'm going to be the pessimist here, I think. Uh, I think Denver wins both games. As much as I'd, you know, as much as I'd like to to say that we find a way to win, like, 
I I just from a from a team perspective don't know where it comes from. Um, I think it's there. I like I don't want to say that we're out of this by any means. Like I think we can beat Denver. Um, if we were at home, I'd usually feel a little bit better about us. But this is our first road series. You know, there's a lot that needs to be. We've got some freshmen that have never been to Denver. They've you know, and if they go out like. I've never been here before. I'm just going to, you know, do my thing. That could be good for us, particularly with Ludkey, you know, um, you know, he could go out and just chip on his shoulder and, and, and play amazing. And that would, that would go a long way in securing the victory. But, you know, you mentioned those guys uh, that, that, you know, put up points for Denver and I just, it's going to take a team effort. It, 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 there's just no way around it. They've got more guys with better talent. Um, we need to capitalize on every opportunity. We need to limit our penalties. We need to play hard in in the the grindy areas in the corners and in front of the net. Uh, you know, and we need to be quick out of our zone because they cause. If you look at Denver, they cause turnovers. They move the puck. They cycle really, really well. They've got defensemen that have great vision and good puck movement. And so if we turn the puck over, even down low in our zone, it's going to go high and on net quick. Um, and that recovery is going to be very, very difficult. So um, I'd love to say that we win one and we find a way. I think the best case scenario might be that we we eke out a you know an overtime thing um, and, and squeeze out at least a point in the NCHC standings. But it's it's not it's not going to be easy. This is a tough team to play. You are absolutely right. This is going to be a, a real challenge for UNO. And uh, and so Jason picks uh, the sweep. Uh, UNO is really going to have to play, as you alluded to, they're going to have to play meat and potatoes hockey. Uh, they're going to have to put pucks on nets, uh, see what happens. They're going to have to be willing to block shots. And uh, as Coach Gabinette says all the time, they're going to have to be willing to do the little things right. If they do that, they have a chance. It's going to be tough. But I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say UNO pulls out one game uh, on the weekend. I'm going to say that we go in there on Friday night uh, and upset DU. Uh, it should be noted that the Saturday night game uh, at DU is uh, military night out there. So uh, so you're going to get a couple of military nights uh, in college hockey uh, in a row here, fans. So uh that should be cool to see what kind of jerseys they're wearing and what kind of festivities they have going on in that game. Uh, but as I mentioned earlier, Friday's game is at 8 p.m. Central Time, so 8 p.m. here in Omaha, and Saturday's game is at 7 p.m. Central Time uh, here in Omaha. You can watch those games on NCHC TV. Uh, you can listen to those games uh, on the radio at 1290 Coil. Mike Balencourt has the play-by-play. -play. Terry Leahy has the color commentary. Those guys both do a great job on those broadcasts. Yeah, um, be sure, yeah absolutely right. And be sure to follow MapHook.com on Twitter uh, during the weekend series for game updates. Uh, Bridget will be handling that as usual. You can find links to all of our social media channels at MapHook.com, as well as back episodes of this podcast, which we encourage you to listen to, to watch, be sure to subscribe uh, on the platform of your choice. But until next time, Jason, go Mavs. Go Mavs.